Hello, and welcome back to Winning with Connections, the WWC podcast. Today, I am joined by Sean Pibus, a retired admiral and Navy SEAL who works with WWC. We are incredibly lucky to have him in our ranks of subject matter experts. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Lauren. So I, I want to kind of tell the story of how you ended up with us, which um, I think starts earlier while you were still in uniform. I remember seeing you. I don't know if you even remember this, but I remember seeing you on the flight back and forth to Tampa so many times that you didn't know who I was. I kind of knew who you were because you're a little more visible in terms of you know being in uniform with your name tag, uh, your name tape on. But we would wave at each other every time because we we saw each other literally. I think every other week. And then I got to meet Patty, your wife, and a couple of people in the firm got to meet Ariana, your daughter. And that was actually how we got into the Pipus family was not through you, but through uh, some of the women in your life. And then I got to meet you and we sat and talked. You were working for a large firm at the time and I didn't think anything of it. I just was really excited to meet you. A couple of times after meeting, you said, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to come work for you. And I was like, wait, what? You're you're ready to come. Really? Great. So you've been working with us now. Gosh, has it been like a year and a half, almost two years? Almost two years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You really established your bona fides through my wife, Patty. <laughs> uh, so however, and, and Patty's a connector. And so however you two met, I was still in uniform. I retired yeah. in uh, 2016 toward the end of the calendar year as the deputy commander of USOCOM. And yeah, I made a lot of flights to and from Washington, D.C. <laughs> in that role. And then in transition, I ended up with Deloitte, who was trying to get more SOCOM business. Uh, and they asked me to you know, be a strategy advisor for how to, how to approach that. But you know, they're, they're large and they have a lot of other interests. And although I really enjoyed who I worked with, I didn't particularly enjoy what, what I was doing exactly because we're just kind of lost in the, in the size of the company. So, right. Right. yeah, I was happy when WWC won the, the UTEP contract. And I thought to myself how much I would enjoy kind of working that. I work, you. We are thrilled to have you. So let's go back because you have a ridiculous military career that ended as the deputy commander of SOCOM. But before that, can you walk me through kind of a, a brief history? Because I think it'd be a, a long history if we let it, but a, a brief history of, of your military background. Sure. Yeah, it began, uh, went to college on an ROTC scholarship and, and discovered the SEAL program uh, almost by accident. But I quickly felt as though that's what I want to do and got the opportunity to go through SEAL training, buds out in California. So did that. And then stayed in the SEAL program. U.S. SOCOM was established in 1985. And so the, the whole special operations business became a joint enterprise. And so mm -hmm. I ended up doing some joint tours. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, a, a three-time offender at U.S. SOCOM, uh, <laughs> mostly on the ops operations side mm -hmm. of, of business. But along that path, the head of the, the SEAL community in, uh, from Coronado, California for two years. I was the Joint Special Operations Commander for the Pacific for two years. Got to command NATO Special Operations Forces uh, in, in 2013, 2014. 
before coming back, you know, finally to SOCOM as the as the number two person there for for my final two years in uniform. So 34 years as a SEAL and Joint Special Operations Commander, a lot of overseas assignments to include mm-hmm. Panama, Germany, Bahrain, and then and then lots of tours in the in the U.S. to include a two-year stint as the human resources director for the CO community as well. So right into that, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, having having the former head of the Navy SEALs is great for us as WWC. It has also scored me massive mom points. Um, my both my kids yeah. are amazed that I work with the former head of the Navy SEALs, and my son thinks you are probably the coolest person on earth. Um, so I get a little bit of the the cool points just for being friends with you. So I appreciate that too, because sometimes that, that that helps a lot. Um, but anyway, so so you transitioned in 2016, and and that transition we've talked a little bit about that on the podcast with a couple of people who came out, and I know you counsel a whole lot of folks as they're coming out. Before we get into kind of government contracting. I would love to kind of pick your brain and have have people listen to your advice for that transition and how you do the transition from military to civilian life. You know, I'm still in transition, Lauren. And so I tell, I guess, my best advice to those who transition, and I talk to a lot of men and women who do, is to have a plan. You know, really, you really should have a plan as opposed to just leaving the, leaving the military service and Assuming that because of your, you know, generally awesome background from for lots of these kids, you know, they, they assume that they'll be offered work and they'll take work somewhere, pick from a, you know, a lot of choices. And often that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. It's a different, it's a completely different environment between the military and the civilian world. And uh, you, it requires that a person lean into it you know, to, to find what it is they, they want to do. So knowing yourself and then having a plan, two of the biggest things you can do to successfully transition. Right. Uh, and we both know that many, many really don't successfully transition. Right. Uh, or they take over long to do so. And everyone's different, of course. And, and there are those few who get out and immediately are offered their dream jobs and they're, they're off. But, you know, that's not the norm and the averages or a person would change jobs three or four times in a fairly short period of time before they might settle on something that they like. Right. Well, and that, that seems to be what happened in, in your case. You yeah, went to government right. contracting. It was the wrong firm. It was potentially the right field. And certainly with you, you, you working with us part time and doing a whole lot of other stuff with the CL Foundation and and other things that I know keep you very busy as well, but you didn't land in the right place, and that was okay. Yeah, that was okay. It's it's a, a voyage of discovery, right? But yeah, the, my original firm was large and focused on other matters, so it was really nice to to land with WWC. That's uh, locally based, mm-hmm. much more intimate setting, and mm-hmm. already having contracts within the special operations field in hand. Right. And so it's a different, you know, it, it's, a, it's a different dynamic, which I which I enjoy. Sure. And, you know, I, I know you've talked to, because I've talked to some people through you about transition, both when you haven't retired, like, like your daughter who landed a phenomenal job coming out of the military, 
when she decided that she wasn't staying in for the long term, you know, career path. And she landed, you know, talked to everyone. And I remember her talking to a whole lot of people and figuring out all of the different job offers she had on the table and what she wanted to do with her life, which was a really positive, I think, transition story overall. Some folks that are coming out, you know, six years in have a bit more of a struggle. And then some folks, I know you've had me talk to a few a few people who are coming out as, you know, 06 or, or flag officer who really need to try to figure out what do you want to do when you grow up, right? What do you, what does this post-retirement world look like? Do I want to stay within the military community as a GS or as a contractor? Do I want to, you know, work in contracting, but, but doing business development or doing program management, not doing client facing work? Or do I want to do something entirely different? I've, I've talked to a, quite a few people recently who really want to do something entirely different. And that's hard, but right. it's I mean, right. you've got this opportunity, you know, up, up, up front, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. There are ridiculously talented kids. Yes. Um, but it's it's a challenge to connect that up with the opportunity to apply that and be happy with it. Right. 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 So you were in uniform as obviously very senior leadership positions throughout the last 10, 15 years of your career. And you saw government contractors come in, I'm sure, in uniform all the time. How did your view of government contracting change when you came out of uniform? What did you see as the positives or the negatives of government contractors while you were in uniform? What did you see that they did that drove you crazy? What did you see that they did that that went well? And then how did that change as you came out of uniform and, and came into a different role within government contracting? Well, you know, generally I've had for many years a, a positive view of contractors. You know, as senior military officers, though, we're our, our own counselors, such as our JAG officers and, <laughs> and contracting officers, warn us off conversations or meetings with contractors, and you know, unless unless under very strict conditions, which I think is, uh, I think that's a mistake. I, I wish in looking back that we had been m- more deeply educated in in how contracting works, you know, how we can meet and, and discuss issues with contractors. It just was typically prickly business because right. we, we, were, we were warned of all the dangers of meeting one-on-one with, you know, with, with contractors and, uh, it's unfortunate. Right. And, and we're not, you know, you're not typically, you're not typically well-educated unless you're within that, that ecosystem of the, the contracting process, you're not educated and many senior officers just aren't, you know, they're just, you know, they're, they're in charge of their military businesses and, and what have you. Right. Um, and they only, you know, they only touch the contracting processes and people, you know, intermittently. So, but, you know, contractors personally, you know, it's it's understood that we really, the military can't operate without our contracting professionals. There's just no way. Right. And so it'd be, it'd be much better if we were more deeply educated in how that all, how that all works early on so we can, we can take better advantage of it. Yeah. And, you know, this this whole I don't look good in stripes. Right. It's the constant refrain of like, you know, be careful of the contractors. And I, yeah. there's, there's certainly stuff that you need to be careful of. Right. Because you don't want 
anyone to do the the Darlene Drurins of the world where, you know, they're steering contracts. But there is something to be said for conversations that really do help. And particularly with the good actor firms out there, and there are plenty of them that aren't good actor firms, but there are plenty of them that are really there to do the right thing by the government. They can give some ideas, they can give some thoughts, they can do really good things. And sometimes I think you're right, that gets shut down by these concerns about OCI that are maybe slightly unfounded. Yeah, and it also drives, you know, the shadowy dinners or meetings and, and what have you that are more actually more dangerous than than anything else. So, yeah, that's a frustration because I think I, I think senior military leadership could take such better advantage of of the contracting process if they were more comfortable, if both sides were more comfortable with it. Yep. Yep. And it's it's not too difficult to give everyone the, the same opportunities, you know, on the, on the contracting side. So yeah. So so again, a, po- a positive view of contracting. Now, there were those, you know, there there are those that, that you would prefer to work with over others. Sure. Uh, they're always you're certainly made aware of some integrity issues when they arise, you know, from your contracting office. Yes. And yeah. But just like anything else, there there, there will there will sometimes be issues. Right. 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 So what has frustrated you? And carefully, let's what has frustrated you in in this side of the of the house i know that that we have run into some of these situations where you weren't able to go talk to someone effectively or we weren't able to do the right things or we've run into some ethical challenges with other firms that nobody seemed to care about the ethical challenges of the other firms so what has been from this side, now that you're not in uniform, uh, what what have been some of the frustrations? Well, so number one, just as we just talked about, you know, I'm now painted with the contractor brush, which, yeah. is, which is my choice. That's fine. But but approaching our military, you know, customers and potential customers, you know, I, I'm treated differently. It's like, and, and I I see it on the other side. They're hesitant, yeah, to engage because of this, you know, the the fear that that you know, they're taught. Right. Uh, and so that's a bit frustrating because I, I, having come from, for example, the special operations community, you know, I, I'm, I still have their best interests at heart. Well, that's it. The more- I, I would, I would do nothing to, to jeopardize them. And, and right. I just sense this tentative engagement. So that's, right. that, that's frustrating. Yeah, I'm, you- I'm also frustrated though, by, you know, I, I, I now, there's some, Quite frankly, there's some there's some seedy processes and people that that I've come across or, or been informed of, and and just like any business, any environment, you're going to have those that aren't that don't have the integrity that you'd like to see. Right. And and so that's that's it's frustrating though to see them get ahead or right move forward when you know as a as a matter of fact that. You know, they're not operating on that that level that they should be operating on, you know, with integrity and trust. Right. What what frustrates me, and I think we've talked a lot about this in the past. (laughs) You've done a lot of counseling of me, I think, as we've faced these issues and we've talked through them, is that you or we get painted 
with this negative brush. And so your morals get called into question when your morality hasn't changed, when you dedicated 34 years of your life uh, to the U.S. Navy and the U.S. military, and you, you still have the best interests of the military at heart, and you get questioned where the ones who are actually the ones doing the wrong thing seem to get a pass. And so that dichotomy, I think we've talked a lot about over the years, uh, is is probably the biggest frustration because it's like, wait a second, there are good actors out there, but we, the good actors out there, don't get to get the passes that the bad actors do. And somehow, you know, we're held to a higher standard than the ones who really are doing the wrong thing. Yeah, to, as a, I think yeah. some of the bad actors move forward as just as a matter of convenience for the yeah. for the military bureaucracy. Yes. And, you know, I, I have to think that those making those decisions, you know, they they, they kind of they know what they're they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they are making a choice to take the easier path and, and just yeah. turn a blind eye toward some some negative aspects of of those firms they're choosing. Yep. Uh, when in fact, you know, you you and I can look and we know we would know that, hey, that's that's not right. And it's not based on our own self-interest, but it's just right. a question right. of what's right and what's wrong. Well, I think that's one of the reasons that that you chose us and that we get along so well is we as a firm don't always look at what's best for the firm, which might put us in a slightly worse position than some of these other firms that are looking out for their best interests above and beyond. We did this as a firm, and I think there are a lot of firms out there that do. We did this as a firm because it was a different way of serving. And some firms really look at this as what's in our best interest versus our best interest and the government's best interest in the long run bring us together and bring us to the same place. But I think that's one of the reasons that you were willing, again, not not saying that Deloitte wasn't wasn't in this position. They're just a much bigger firm. We as a smaller firm get to make decisions that are truly not based on our shareholder interests because the shareholders are are the two owners and and we're doing fine and we're happy and and what we need to do to sleep at night is not make more money but but make the right decisions for the country that we care about. I tell people that I I work for WWC Global Leadership that is righteous. I mean I, it's a, it's a righteous company. They're interested in doing the right thing. If they can't do that, then they'll move on and, and right. do something else. So, which I appreciate greatly. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, like so. And as a, as a smaller firm, you know, you can choose to do that and still be very successful. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we've proven that. And we have. We've walked away from revenue multiple times when it's not the right revenue for us, uh, when we can't make the right decisions for the government based on winning that contract or, or performing that contract. So it, it does make it, again, makes me able to sleep at night. And I think you and some of our other senior leaders in the firm also able to sleep at night, which I am glad. It is difficult to see a, a major military customer make some of the, make some decisions that I would say just aren't, aren't quite right. Yeah. And yep. Um, yep. sometimes and, you just have you to know, step back and, and put some, you know, put some time and space between you and they and and then uh, re-engage later. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, we we have used subject matter experts for a lot of our history. We've, we've had 
some good people like you, like Mike Jones, like Jake McFerrin, that have been incredibly useful to us over the years. And we've leveraged you guys different ways, used you guys in different aspects. I don't think that it is necessary for small businesses to have a Sean Pibus on board. I'm not sure that when we were really small, we would have been able to even get a Sean Pibus on board. But you guys can be really useful in, in certain aspects, you know, and, and we've, again, we've used you in different ways, you and, and some of the other uh, subject matter experts that we have or, or senior advisors that we have on board. I, I, one of our customers the other day said to me, you are really smart to get Sean on board to do business development. And I kind of laughed because you really don't do business development for us. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what you see your role for us? Obviously, you do some business development in terms of you allow us to do business development based on your background, your knowledge, some of your your contacts. But you're not in there selling and doing the, the proposal writing. You're not in there doing the capture work. You're not in there kind of running our business development efforts you're in there doing other stuff. Can you talk a little bit about how, at least from your perspective, how small businesses or even large businesses can leverage former flag officers effectively? Well, when I came on board, you had just won, you know, the, the SOCOM enterprise-wide yeah. exercise and training programs, kind of the, you know, the right. foundational you know, management at US SOCOM of that, of that program several hundred million dollars worth. Yes. And when you hired me, I came on board as as your senior special operations person and happy to do so. That I think that that gives gave the company some credibility. Absolutely. Uh, they've uh, you've done very well with the contract, running of the contract. And I was actually at the time hopeful to do be more involved in in the the quality control of that, how right. it's being done. Because I was, I was interested in it, knew a lot about it, obviously. Right. But again, we run into that. Hey, uh, you know, from the from the customer, from the military customer. Hey, I'm not so sure what I want. I don't want the retired three star <laughs> pokey pokey his nose around too yep. much. You know, which was a surprise to me and and somewhat of a disappointment. But but nonetheless, okay. And and I found other ways to you know, participate in some of the component side of exercise right. and training. And just lately, you know, I plan to get more involved again as some changes are made at US SOCOM to, as to how we innovate right. uh, and move forward that program. So I'm, I'm excited about, do, about doing that. So, you know, in that case, I think bringing some credibility to what WWC had won right. uh, as a retired three-star is very, is very helpful. Right. I think the credibility is the biggest thing. You know, I mean, look, we're a woman-owned firm who won the largest contract ever to a woman-owned business, but none of us, none of the three leaders in the firm have ever served in the military, right. certainly not in special yeah. operations. And we recognize that that's a limitation. And so you trusting in us, you hitching yourself to us certainly brought that credibility. And that credibility is something that really matters to us. It's It's been the the centerpiece of what we think we bring is credibility over everything else. Um, we talk about that as, as the center phrase, the center term, the center kind of morality or, or ethics or 
mission of the company is that credibility is that 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 culture of credibility is is so important to us and so you've you've brought that within the special operations community and i think some of them you know some people who were a little wary of a woman owned business a non soft owned business being in this space turned around and said well Sean signed on with them okay we're we're good like they're it, there's got to be something there that we're not seeing or that we don't know or that that makes Sean comfortable with them. So I, I do think that that helps. And then, like you said, the the actual subject matter expertise has been invaluable to us as not only we've worked with managing the current contract and, you know, executing that and innovating within that but also leveraging that to other opportunities. Again, not you walking around selling for us, but hey, we've got this proposal that we're doing. Can you take a look at it? Can you weigh in on it? Can we brainstorm and pick your brain about what you would do in the SEAL community around X? And so that has also been invaluable. And so I think you know people think about flag officers and, and doing business development We've found with you, but also with some of the other retired senior leaders, that giving us some perspective, you know, being advisors to us, seeing things from an outside perspective, giving us that the the terminology or the the understanding of the workforce now that we have, and saying, hey, here's here's what you need to think about as you work through the next strategic plan. Those are the kind of things I think that help a lot more than your ability to actually walk into a door and sell, because that is fraught from that initial conversation that we had. That is fraught. You don't really get to walk in there and do that. In fact, I think they shut you down oftentimes, right? Yeah, I, I, which is frustrating because I think, you know, again, we, we could do so much more. Right. right. Uh, but but uh, again, I understand to some degree why that happens but I, I'm very happy to contribute to strategic plans and making decisions about who to, you know, who to write proposals to. Right. Types of types and places for business is very interesting. And, and I think I've got something to offer there. So and, and you've got a great team that I enjoy working with up in Norfolk and San Diego. And and so that's that that part is for me much more um satisfying than perhaps a straight up business development. Right. Right. Yeah. No, you, we've got a great BD team and what you, what you do really well with that is you prop them up, you make them better, you make them understand more, you make the introductions, but then you let them do it. We talk a little bit in the company about the high low where the, the high level person can't be the one actually selling because they've got to keep their credibility kind of intact that they're not pushing for sale, that they're really looking out for the best interest of the government. Hey, I just want to introduce you to someone over here. And then someone like Jennifer Simpson, one of our vice presidents in Norfolk, as you mentioned, comes in and says, okay, let me talk to you about what we've done here. So you've just made the matchmake, you know, the matchmaking happen. You haven't, you're not the one selling. And I think that does often help keep your credibility It often keeps our credibility more intact and it keeps you away from the, the slimy contractor role that, that people are often worried about. Yeah. 
Well, any last thoughts for anyone listening that is either coming out of, of the military, coming out of uniform and thinking about doing something within the government contracting space? There's a lot to learn about it, but it can personally be very satisfying. It's not what many people are led to believe. Yeah. Uh, again, within the military, in uniform, it's you're, you're painted a different picture of, of contracting and contractors. Although, again, most of us f- feel as though contractors provide a, an irreplaceable function right. for the military. It's still contracting and on the outside is painted in negative terms. So disregard that and find out for yourself, make a plan and give yourself some time to, to make that transition. And some, some transitions are going to last quite some time. And there's all sorts of contractors by size, mm-hmm. market, mm-hmm. You know, location. And so that's, that's important too. But I tell you, I'm really, you know, there are those around Tampa Bay you know, Andy Wilson comes to mind at Quiet yep. Professionals. He, you know, yep. he used to work for me as a as a non-commissioned officer. I love Andy, and I love the success that that I see him attaining. Yeah. Uh, and there are others like him that that have done extremely well on the outside and and post uniform. So, yeah, a lot of the special ops types are driven. Yeah. And they do know what they want, and so I I just love to see them succeed. I got to tell you, our Tampa Bay ecosystem here really is amazing. People like Andy, who have done extremely well for themselves, but also are incredibly supportive of the others in the in the industry yeah. here. Um, and, you know, that's not just Andy. It's oh, Greg Celestian at Celestar and Hugh Campbell with AC4S before they, they got out of the government contracting space. But there's so many great firms here at the small levels, all the way up to kind of the mid-sized uh, companies. And and it really is the vast majority here that I see are of that same stripe that you're talking about. They're really committed to the government. They're really committed to doing the right thing. And they find great success in doing that. So again, I'll tell you, it's really great to be down here in Tampa. Yeah, it's the home of champions. I love it. Yeah, right. It's Champ Bay now too. Yeah, but Bay. Uh, with all of the with all of the different sports teams having won the championships, it's it's really it's a great place to be. Well, with that, Sean, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it, and and hope everyone enjoyed the the chance to get to know Sean a little bit better, to get some of the advice that that we get so often, and uh, really invaluable. Okay, Lauren, 